Hello, I'm John Pollitz, Dean of Library Affairs at Southern Illinois University Carbondale, and your host for Saluki Stories. Today, we are talking with Scott Fertwingler, 1988 graduate with a BA degree in English and a 1995 MA in English. Scott went on to get a PhD in educational psychology and now lives in Houston, Texas. But when he lived in Carbondale, he worked in Morris Library, was the associate director for the honors program, and his second life was as a musician in bands like 138 and Crank. You might have seen them at Hangar 9, Patty's Place down in Kentucky, and at the Cabaret Metro in Chicago. But let's let Scott tell his story dive right in. If you were to name a single individual, what person had the greatest impact on your SIU experience? John, this is such a tough question for me because I, uh, I was a student at SIU. I was a student worker at SIU. I worked um, in the civil service at the library, at Morris Library. I then worked as um, uh, administrative professional as associate director of the honors program. Um, there, there were just so many roles that I got to play at SIU over the course of 23 years. It's hard to just pick one. Well, but, let's pick a couple, go for it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. This is what every, you know, this is what everybody says and that's, really heartwarming when I hear them. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, some of the top ones, one would have to be Rick Williams, uh, who was director of the honors program when I was associate director. He was a uh, professor of classics. um, And I first met him. And, and, you know, one of the things I say now, uh, when during interviews or people ask, you know, how did you get into honors education or educational psychology, I say, well, it was all, all because of the lunch one day. I, um, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I was working, um, as what they, I, they called it then. I don't know if they still call it, um, an unclassified graduate student. It was my first semester and I had not chosen, I was trying to decide between philosophy and English and I was working at the library and uh, I was, uh, I took a lunch break, walked over to the student center, saw a friend of mine, John, who was a graduate in linguistics. And he, I said, hey, John, how you doing? He's like, hey, I, I'd love to talk, but I can't, I'm in a hurry. I've, I, I've got to go let uh, this professor know that I can't be his graduate assistant because I'm going to take one in linguistics. And he was like, oh, hey you might want to go take this position. And I was like, really? Where?" He's like, go see Dr. Williams. He's in the dean's office in College of Liberal Arts, and it's for his classical mythology course. So I went over there. Uh, I, I filled out a form for him. We, he sat me down right there for an, an ad hoc interview, and I, I got the job as a, a, grad, a teaching assistant for his classical mythology class. And, and what that set up 
was working for him as his assistant for uh, three or four semesters. And then as I was finishing my master's degree, he, I was then working at the, the library um, in cataloging. And he said, hey, I, I really like working with you. Would you consider being associate director uh, applying for that position? I said, sure, I'd love it. Yeah. So I did. And I was in that position for nine years and uh, went oh. on to uh, work at other honors programs. And, um, and uh, it, it, that, just that whole uh, experience working in honors kind of burned this question into my mind about, you know, what, what are the factors that make some students really thrive in college and one and, and others don't? And I realized that to answer that question, I needed to get a, a PhD in educational psychology. So that's what I did. <laughs> okay. And, um, and uh, actually, I've been, uh, I, since then, I've been in a lot of institutional research positions, but I've been exploring lately, uh, getting back into honors. And actually, I'm flying to Anchorage next week. I'm the finalist for- Really? Yeah, I'm finalist for Vice Provost of Student Success and Dean of the Honors College at the University of Alaska, Anchorage. Wow. So looking- You got me on your back. I'm, I got your back, man. Uh, thank you. Really thank you, Good luck. This all started, you know, this journey started with, with Rick. Um, we worked so closely together for those nine years. Uh, I learned so much from him uh, about teaching, about uh, administration, about honors education, um, about life in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, so he was very integral in, in my professional trajectory. Um, and, and briefly, I'll say uh, two others that were very influential were in the English department, um, A.J. Morey, who was a, a professor of English, and uh, we got to know each other very well. And, and, and part of it grew out of one, one comment she wrote in a paper of mine that she, she just, it just simply said, you should consider publishing this. No one had ever, yeah, ever huh? suggested yeah, yeah. that I publish anything that I wrote for a class. And for her to uh, recognize that just was very influential on me, had a huge effect. Uh, and it made me realize, hey, maybe, maybe I, I could do something in higher ed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same with uh, Dr. David Blakesley was a uh, professor of English. and. Uh, he had a class uh, on film criticism and it was actually in the basement of Mor Morris library. Really? Uh, yeah. God, and, uh, I, stories I've heard about the basement of Morris <laughs> library back then. It's a, <laughs> what is a kine kinesiscope that you, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's quite a while. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he had a big impact on, on my, uh, the way I viewed uh, literature. And uh, so, so those three folks were, were just instrumental on, on me, my, my professional life, and, and at my time in Carbondale.
Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, so you worked in cataloging in the, in yeah. the library. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, it was a, it was, it was, what was it called? It was the, um, I don't even name, remember the name of the project, but what we were doing was it, 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 it was music scores and we yeah. were, uh, you might have to help me out here because I don't know. It, we were going, we were moving from. Uh, were you going from Dewey to, to actually reclassification? Uh, actually, we were doing the reverse, I think. I think oh, we really? were going from LC to Dewey. And it was odd, I remember, but I think it was because more of the uh, partners in the uh, OCLC. Oh, were, yeah. Had Dewey yeah, classification. Yeah. So, oh, wow. Well, that's it. Yeah. 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 I'll bet. Is there a particular event that stands out in your memory as being crucial to your time here? And maybe it was that lunch. It, it, or is it could have been that, that, you know, that fateful lunch. Um, because really, I didn't know what I was going to do once I got my master's degree in English, I just figured I would, I would teach somewhere at a community college or I, I didn't really know, even, even as I having received a bachelor degree, I didn't really know how to navigate becoming um, a, an academic. And, you know, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that process. I didn't really have, that knowledge. Um, so having worked as an uh, administrative assistant, administrative professional, I'm sorry, administrative professional in the honors program really gave me a glimpse into what professors do and, and what academics do. Um, oh, yeah. And, and so we had uh, honors professors from all departments, and I was lucky that I could kind of get a glimpse of what they all do in their different uh, areas, their disciplines. So, serving in that, yeah, you get a whole yeah, thing. serving in that role was was probably I don't I don't know if that's an event. It's more of a an experience. And no, but that's really interesting because that that is you get to see all sorts of different uh, scholarships, different focuses yeah how a chemistry chemistry professor looks at the world differently than a philosopher yeah. i mean they there's similarities there, yeah I'm sure, and, and not only not only jobs. getting to know and kind of glimpse over the shoulders of all those different professors but one of the things that uh one of my responsibilities as associate director was uh to uh kind of chaperone uh guest speakers who came in so i would go pick up the guest speaker at williamson county airport and you know (laughs) and they were all shaken from the flight over (laughs) you know whether it was neil degrasse tyson or or uh wow yeah whoever and and drive them into carbondale and they would you know, usually ask a lot of questions about the students and about the, the demographics of the university. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and that, um, 
I actually set me up with uh, relationships with some of these uh, uh, speakers um, over a long period of time. Really? Yeah, like Dave Levy, really? the uh, astronomer. He and I still kept in contact. And um, uh, it, 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 that was an experience, too, that I, I was just fortunate to get in, in the role that I, I served. Yeah, that must have been terrific. Yeah, is there any is there anything that uh, you know uh, in that realm? Did you have do you have any fond memories of the speaker you might have brought in? Yeah, there are a few. And actually, one of the one of my favorite memories is um, James Fallos, the uh, a journalist. Uh, uh -huh. So, so what I would usually do is pick them up from the airport. And uh, it was dependent on the time of day, but um, my job basically was to do whatever they wanted to do. So if they wanted to eat, really? go take them to eat. If they wanted to just be dropped off at the hotel, drop them off, and then I would pick them up to, to take them to the uh, dinner and, and uh, lecture that night. But on this occasion, James Fallows got in and he wanted to get lunch. So... We went to the uh, the old main room at the student center, and he and I uh, had just a uh, fantastic lunch and and laughed about the Simpsons and a lot of other stuff that was going on. <laughs> um, but but also, um, uh, God, now I just blanked on his name. Um, novelist. Um, uh, uh, um, one of the preeminent novelists of the American novelists of the 20th century, and now I'm blanking on his name. Um, Rabbit Run. Um, oh, yeah, James Lutt. Yeah, Updike? John Updike. John Updike. Yeah. John Updike. Um, yeah, John Updike. So kind of the same thing happened where he, he was very laid back and just wanted to go to lunch. So... We went to old wow. main room again. And uh, so here I am at lunch with John Updike. And, and, oh, my and, God. And, and yeah. so we were we just had a nice just one on one, a nice casual conversation about all kinds of things. So um, those stick out. And, and I, I will tell Not you a, a story that I think it's kind of funny. Um, and, and the, this was another person who was very influential on me. Um, Robert Guthrie was the director of the uh, uh, Black American Studies program. I don't know. I don't oh, know if it's okay. still called that now. Um, yeah, I think it's African okay. Studies. He was, he was yeah. the director of that and, and also taught in the honors program. And um, he, he was retiring but the uh his honors course was so popular uh rick was able to talk him into uh staying on and he would come back every other saturday and have his honors class on that saturday it was a six hour long class yeah because really? he had to make wow. it was two weeks crammed into you know one oh, day yeah. Yeah. So it was my job to go pick him up on Fridays at the airport and uh, 
and we got to, we got to know each other really well. He invited me out to his place in uh, uh, Mexico, in Rosarita, but it, but it was interesting. Uh, so I got to the airport one time. This remember Williamson County Airport. Um, yeah. They had a little Mexican restaurant in the airport. And oh yeah. One day I picked uh, uh, Dr. Guthrie up and. Uh, uh, he, he said, I was ready to gloat him in the car. He's like, wait, I just got to make a quick stop. And I was like, okay, this is, all right. So he yeah. goes to the restaurant, the Mexican restaurant. And, uh, the owner of the restaurant met him and, and Bob put down a suitcase and he opened his suitcase and he starts pulling out these bottles of tequila. And I'm like, <laughs> What what is going on here? Is this what are we doing? And and I didn't understand. And, and he he dropped off this these bottles of tequila, and he packs his bag back, and we go out to the car. And I I got in the car. I said, Bob, what what is going on here? Is this, is this I feel like this is illegal or something. What, 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 what's going on? It's like oh no, doing a deal. It's like oh no, Scott. It's like the dude, the owner is from. Mexico, and there are Mexican tequilas that he can't get here. And uh, so yeah, I go right. when I go to Rosarita, you know, I'm able to get them and, and bring them back for him. I'm like, okay, just look. I just because <laughs> in my mind, I was like, the headlines honors uh, administrator yeah, right. and professor get uh, arrested for moonshining or something. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Well, that's wonderful. Um, uh, let's see. Is there anything uh, you would change about your time at SIUC if you had a Yeah, I would, definitely. So going yeah. back to being a first-generation student, you know, I was from a small town. I, I didn't really know what was out in the big world and yeah you know my first semester at my, my first class at siu was bigger than my whole high school uh yeah right so right. my yeah. high school yeah. class was about 70 people my first class in carbondale was about 300 people uh wow. it yeah, was a right, music right. appreciation course um, so it was a big new, it was different for me. And I didn't really manage my time or my priorities very well that first semester. And I, 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 God, I you're, you're the first student that ever said that. To me. I, I, and I, I share that from yeah, Carter, right, yeah. I share this with, uh, <laughs> with students because they need to know that yeah. you can falter, you can, can have a bad semester you, you that can happen but but you can bounce back from the second semester i mean when i forgot when i got that report card that first semester was like oh buddy i better yeah i better change my ways here because yeah. i didn't even know if they were going to keep me <laughs> they, yeah really yeah so the yeah. second yeah. semester i made dean's list and uh, oh yeah. really so wow. yeah Turning it around, um, I knew I could do it, but um, 
the thing that really stuck with me is in uh, going on to getting a grad degree and getting a PhD is, is really that discipline in, in reading. And I wish that first semester I would have been a little more disciplined in, you know, doing my readings, um, focusing on that, uh, the work part, because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun to be had, but if you're not disciplined, it, it could have gone a very different way, a very exactly. different way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was just fortunate that I didn't get the boot and that, I, I turned things around um, and became more disciplined in, in my academics. And um, now, having been in higher ed for you know, 25 years or more, I see how we are changing to meet students where they are, especially first-generation students, with regard to services that we offer in, in most university and, and community colleges now. And um, we just didn't have that when, when I was a freshman. And right, yeah. It, it doesn't mean that, you know, students still aren't fraught with challenges. They are. Um, but I think we're better prepared to meet them where they are now. All right, I'm going to go back a little bit. Um, do you have any memories that you'd like to share of the town of Carbon? Well, you know, one of the things that I truly appreciate about the environment at Carbondale, I don't know if it's the same now, but when I got there in the 80s, um, the music scene was thriving and there were... Uh, the, the, there were a lot of bands that came through, but there were, if you were interested in making music, you had the opportunity to, and there was actually in the, 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 the subculture of it that I was part of, the, the push was really to do, do original work. Don't just be a cover band, um, you know, throw in a cover here or there, uh, but really create your own sound. And, um, you know, whether that was punk or jazz or fusions of the, the many different things, rock and roll, hard rock, what have you, the, the push was always be original. And um, I, I think that spirit was just, for, for whatever reasons, it was there. Let's talk about 138 and Crank. Yeah. Yeah. So the, speaking of it, I was hoping you were going to go in this. Place. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, one, one of the things, so I started playing guitar when I was in junior high and my, um, my dad, he was very practical. He's like, Oh, great. It's good to have a hobby. Uh, my mom, on the other hand, she, she knew it was something special to me and, and she was very nurturing about your interest, whatever, you know, whatever yeah. they were, uh -huh. go for it. My dad, not so much, you know, as a matter of fact, yeah. I, I bought uh, a Rickenbacker guitar in Carbondale for 300 bucks. And he, he was not pleased. He was not no, huh? pleased at all. And, um, but you know, I, I 
started this band 138 with uh, uh, Doug Williams, uh, Jeff Townsend, and, and Dave Stecker. Um, we started and and then Doug and and uh, Jeff graduated. They went on. We we brought in a couple other people. Uh, uh, Pete Reynoso on drums and Steve Chesnick on bass. And then those two left. Dave Stecker was uh, in music. He was a, a classical guitarist and in that program. He and I were still there. And, and I was like, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't like the rotating doors. I'm just going to play bass. We'll get a drummer and we'll be a threesome. That's what we did for a while. Then uh, Shelly moved on, the drummer. And uh, kind of experimented, Jan with some other people. But then it was um, Roger Pugh, who was an Eng a grad in English like I was. He had been in a band, uh, a couple different bands. Um, uh, and uh, so we knew each other from English. We knew each other from the music scene. And he asked if I wanted to jam and what we had a project in mind, we were going to do the Minutemen's album, Double Nickels on the Dime. We were going to do the whole thing from start to finish and play it out. And, and it was him on bass, me on guitar and uh, Ralph Wood on drums. And it, what happened was we got together to start rehearsing this. And what we found was we, we, we would, end up doing more of our own stuff. Like Roger would have an idea and then I would have an idea and we got away from the, the <laughs> intent. And then at one point Roger's like, you know, what do you think about pulling Dave into this, you know, and, and so yeah. I did. And that was, it was so, uh, it was so I, the word I use is I beautiful. Um, our collaboration remains today. The four of us talk every week. We, we chat and, and talk. We never officially broke up. Yeah. Really? And we, uh, so we recorded some demos in Carbondale and then we got a break uh, recording with uh, this producer named Kramer out in Noise, New Jersey. He was uh, also in a band called Bongwater with Ann Magnuson, who was an actress on TV oh, yeah. at the time. And he also produced a band named King Missile, um, who was having some success. And, and we went out there and recorded uh, six songs in, in 48 hours, which was crazy, crazy. Uh -huh. And um, met one of our heroes, uh, Grant Hart, who had been drumming for Husker Du. They split up. Oh. And he was with another band called Nova Mob, and they were recording there as well. So we got to kind of um, uh, run into them. Um, but uh, we ended up putting a CD out from some of the uh, tracks from that session. And then we recorded Blue Earth Studio in Southern Illinois. And then we released a, a CD. And... Um, I, I got an email the other day from somebody who said, Hey, I just re-listened to that CD and it is, it is really good, man. So I, I was really happy with, with, well, with the work that we did and it, and what, 
one of the, one of the reasons that the four of us still stay in touch and we want to record together again is we work so well together. And uh, we were, I think when we released that CD, we were just starting to hit our stride. And um, Ralph had finished his PhD and he got a position down at Southeast Louisiana State University. Um, so we kind of went our different directions at that time. And uh, we've, we've been able to get together for a couple reunions um, in Carbondale. Um, but we've been talking about going back in the studio. So we've been um, putting our demos into a uh, Dropbox file so we can all listen. And uh -huh. we've got... Uh -huh. We've got like two hours worth of material that we could do right now, and um, and and we'd we'd love to do it. And and the thing is, uh, you know, time and money are always an issue. Uh, hurting sure. cats is an issue. Um, so we'll see what happens. But but that uh, that collaboration with those uh, those guys with Ralph, Roger, and Dave is was really instrumental for me and uh, has really taught me a lot about music. It taught me a lot about writing, composition, production, uh, live performance, uh, getting along with people, uh, the business of music. It, it just, it was just a fantastic experience. And I think the fact that we still are so close as friends, um, you know, kind of demonstrates how important it was to us and how special it was. Scott, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your Saluki story. It was great to talk to a Morris Library alumnus and to hear about the thriving music scene in Carbondale in the 80s and 90s. This has been John Pollitz, Dean of Library Affairs at Southern Illinois University Carbondale and your host for Saluki Stories. Our production would not have been made possible without the contributions of radio, television, and digital media assistant professor of practice, Jennifer Pape, student editor, producer, Casey Avis-Rouse, music production team, Austin Davis, and Dakota Holden. Go dogs! <laughs>